Welcome to the Restore Podcast with me, Owen Walker. In this episode, I'm having a conversation with Stephen Burns. Stephen is an ex-military operator, having left the military in 2012, serving 14 years in the Royal Marines and the SBS. At the age of 27, Stephen was awarded the Military Cross by Her Majesty the Queen for his work in Afghanistan. In this conversation, we have a real deep dive and honest and open conversation around how he navigated his mental health during this time some of his challenges around self-harm and also around uh, bringing up some of his childhood memories and how he navigated those and continues to do so. So Stephen's done some fantastic work. In 2015, he's mentored youth in schools, executives, um, sports stars, professional athletes, and also delivered programs for diverse audiences, veterans and public services. But most significantly, he's done work with his online platform, OpSpartan. OpSpartan is a platform of about 10,000 people, both blue light workers and military veterans, uh, sharing experiences, support mechanisms and opportunities in an online forum. But I hope you enjoy this conversation with a really engaging and insightful individual um, around navigating his own mental health and some of the uh, tips, tricks and tools he's used to, uh, to overcome adversity. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm here today with a friend and colleague, uh, Stephen Burns. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good, good. Really good, thanks. Really good. So, Stephen, um, just wanted to, um, just for people listening and or watching this, um, just if you could just define a little bit of your background, because there's, there's some absolutely fascinating uh, things we'd like to talk about today. Um, my background? Um, so, I was uh, born and raised in Newcastle. I joined the Marines at 16. Um, had a great career, um, spent seven, seven years in the Marines, and then I did selection and joined the SPS, spent a further seven, seven or so years there. Left, left 2012. Um, when I left, I, um, I left, in my own words, with a bit of a cloud over my head, had my own issues going on. Um, and then that, that kind of set me on the trajectory of where I am now, I suppose, to, um, I went through my own issues. There was loads of stuff going on in my personal life to the point where, um, I was self-harming, diagnosed with depression, later on personality disorder. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say a couple of attempts on my life more because I think if I wanted to really end it, I would have done, but it was more, um, more a cry for help. Um, and that, um, and when I came out the other side of that, I kind of realized how much my childhood affected me. Although, admittedly, my childhood wasn't a bad childhood. It was um, fairly standard and normal. It was just a couple of things that were missing. Um, so I set up a company called Wheel, which is an art business to, ins- to inspire kids through positive parenting. Um, and then kind of fast forward to the last two years to Opspawn which is a veteran community for veterans. I say veteran, it's veteran people who are still serving military and blue light first responder units as well. Um, and that's kind of brought us up to the last six months to to where we've we've created a, a business called My Goji. And My Goji is a collaboration of myself and uh, Phil Quirk, who's a lead performance coach. And we decided to team up to, uh, to have a holistic view on mindset using adversity for resilience. Fantastic, uh, Stephen. Fantastic, mate. So just to um, dig into some of your past around your military experience. So 
Do you did you sort of see the net total of your military experience as being a positive experience? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I'm um, I actually my whole time in the military, I loved. I think the problem for me is when you. I think it was maybe one year where I wasn't away on some active active duty, active service, uh, whether it's peacekeeping or, or whatever. Um, in growing up, and, and actually one of the, the reasons I joined ESF world was because I didn't find I was getting that taking the box that I wanted for the ops I was doing. So now, I mean, I, um, I love my career. Um, it, I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for, for, what, for what I'd been through in, in this stuff that I'd done. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Stephen, looking at some of the, so seven years is not an insignificant amount of time before joining um, a high performing team uh, in the SF. So just, just as you were coming into that world, into the sort of the SBS world, what, what did in your mind sort of set yourself apart or indeed not necessarily apart, but as you were, as you were applying to become quite a, a, as part of a high-functioning team, high-performing team, what did you sort of zero down on or, or, or really start to nail to, 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 to in order, in order to, to, to get, for you to gain access into, into the SF? What, what were the key components in your mind? Um, key components for doing selection mm. and then going on. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it was um, self, self-motivation. Um, the SF world is everybody's on their game. Um, generally, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you still get the odd knobhead, <laughs> but um, but generally, as a rule, everybody is on their game and they're self motivated. Um, I think the problem, one of the one of the differences, I would say, is um, and it probably can it can relate to most high performance teams is that it's almost ran from the ground up. So the culture within the SF world is it's, um, there's definitely a rank structure and there's a command and control and all that good stuff, but it's run from the ground up. You, 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 there's no one trying to twist your arm to, to go on the ground or try and do a job or do anything. You know, lads are very motivated to, to do it. Um, so th- there's definitely self-motivation, um, discipline, um, and I suppose you've got to have um you've definitely got to have a self-belief in your your ability. But that's kind of contradictory to how I felt, I suppose, in my personal life. But definitely for a for, in your professional life, you need to have that belief in yourself. Absolutely. And it kind of comes and it's in the language, isn't it? You're part of the special forces. Mm. <laughs> at this at this point, um Stephen, was was the mental health issues and or background sort of rumbling away in the background, or was or was that sort of later in in into your career? I didn't realise. Um, so in 2000, 2010, I think two thousand and ten, I was awarded the military cross, um, and within three three months of receiving that, I um, I was self harming, diagnosed with depression. Um, and I think it wasn't, and that went on for that kind of downtime, if you like, went on for a good four years. I left in 2012, still with issues that carried on until 2000, early 2014, I'd say. 
it wasn't until coming out the other side of that that I realised kind of retrospectively how, in a sense, I was living with a handbrake on. I didn't exactly... Phil, Phil Quirk, um, he's got a great saying. Like, how can you tell people to take a bucket off their head if they don't realise they've got one on? But as soon as you've taken it off and you see a lot, you know, you've got a lot wider range of view and you kind of see the full potential, you can never put it back on. Um, so I didn't realise I had a bucket on my head. So so just looking at when that, that bucket became came off your head so to speak how did how, how was that process how did how did that occur who 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 enabled you um to sort of to start to see clearly and see some of these uh these these kind of habitual practices uh that were occurring um i a lad that i used to be in the marines with so the rock to recovery is a veteran veterans charity um to do with um PTSD, but a wider range of mental health issues, stress and burnout. Um, so yeah, so I went to see went to see him. Um, I went to see his coaches, and and I, and I went through a lot of stuff with them. And they would take time. It was like spend four days, intense, you know, intense days. Um, and even at the time, then I was kind of going through like, oh, all this is just, for one of a better word, this is this is bullshit. Um, and and even after, I was like. Oh, I just sorted myself out, and I just kind of. But um, but without them, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got to where I was to a point where they helped me. They helped me put whatever was going on in my life that they helped me come almost come to the surface, and then I could put it into boxes and and sort it out, which then allowed me to have that clarity to make changes that I needed to as well. Um, so so rock to recovery were a big part of that. Um, and it, it was almost like um. I went from in the military. You kind of you're always sitting on the, the cause of your life. You know, you, you kind of take things in your own hands. You make things happen. If something goes wrong, you take ownership of it. Um, I went through a period. I became the victim. I was a victim, and everything was against me. Why was this happening to me? And and yeah, there was there was outside influences, and and I was led to believe that my reality wasn't true, and um, and all the instincts that kept me alive. I couldn't trust. So um so it was going through that rock to recovery and then it was almost like a, a switch and I um and I was sat after an incident and and it was almost like um a, a realization that it was happening for a reason and life was trying to teach me a lesson. And that's the way I looked at it. And then when when I could take a step back and say, right, okay, so what's the lesson it's trying to teach me? It almost became like I was back at work. And it was like, okay, well, I can overcome this. But the type of person I am anyways, I'm always, I always wanted, if, if I had a problem, I, I wanted to solve it. But I think that led a little bit to my demise, if you like, because I was too eager to take the responsibility for a lot of stuff that was going on. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so just a couple of things you said there, which is quite, I, I find quite fascinating, actually, because what you've done now is re- really build a community of 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 ex or and or serving military and blue light community around um around just open uh, an honest narrative um and creating chances for people but just that really harkens and points to the fact of our fundamental need for community i so i 
very similar to you, struggled with mental health in the in the past. You know, uh, some um, a, a root cause of that was probably bereavement uh, to some close family members of mine. And having see, seen bereavement every day as a critical care paramedic, but not, never truly having it touched my life until seven years ago. Um, and then having to relearn how to navigate that. Um, but my revelation was, uh, Steve, around my need for community and just something you said about rock to recovery and some of the some of your colleagues from the past. I also didn't realize my fundamental need of a few other people around me just to get me back on track, get me back online and get me speaking about things. And again, the, the narrative in my mind was that I don't necessarily need this. It's not it's not going to benefit me, but it's, I actually needed to open up and, and for other people to come along, come yeah. alongside me. But just 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 to drill down and dig down into that, because I think people listening or hearing this might not understand why people self-harm. Uh, uh, but did you feel a certain release in that? Was there was a cognitive release and or physical release when, when that was when that was manifesting? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't know where the urge to do it came from. Um, I've never witnessed it in my life. It, it wasn't wasn't really something that I was conscious of. I knew it happened, but it was it, in my my knowledge, it was like few and far between. So it wasn't like I had grown up with it or anything like that. Um, but when I did it, it was um, if I'm honest, it, it, it was it was so much hurt and anger and pain outside that it was like a release. If I'm honest. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I felt, I felt like it was a release. And I think once I'd done it once, it, it was like, a, it was like a go-to, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. I think just coming onto this other side of that. So yeah, I see quite a lot of self-harm within day-to-day practice and, um, as a paramedic, uh, and I've seen it quite recently, actually with the pandemic, um, this, this, this silent mental health pandemic on the back of what is the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And um, I suppose really uh, an empathy with people w- when I'm treating them, just from 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 that isolated state of uh, maybe a lot of hurt, a lot of isolation, a lot of, a, a lot of issues, which haven't necessarily got people around them to support them. Um, and, you know, I, I, even going further to to um a lot of um there's, there's i've been to quite a few cases uh, of suicide and suicide really is a pathology of isolation people don't commit suicide around other people they do it when they're isolated on on their own and so one one of the things i'm keen to push forward is opening the, the discussion and narrative around getting alongside especially young men that um that that, that are isolated within their own minds and or thoughts and and don't see a way out because I think something and we're gonna we're gonna explore this a lot more within the podcast, Stephen. Is you know the 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 fantastic work you've done at building this community of of like minded people because this, the the power of community and accessing and optimizing mental health through people who've walked through very similar things is yeah. is is powerful because you, not only is the rapport there and empathy and we've walked walked a very similar path. There's there's real release in 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 knowing that actually you probably understand me you probably understand my journey you probably understand some of the you know challenges that that, that i'm going through and um yeah i so i've what, what how does that does that is, does that strike a few chords in you yeah definitely um i mean i felt isolated you imagine being in um an operational unit 
well, the military is a, is a whole, whether you're operational or you're on training or whatever. That sort of stuff in the, the macho, you know, environment. Um, so if, if you're feeling that way anyways, the, the normal narrative, or at least it used to be, um, is that you couldn't talk to anyone about it. And then added that if you are in an operational role, as soon as you mention that you're struggling, you then can't work, which I think needs to be looked into a little bit more from my experience anyways, because my experience is that if you're struggling and, and yeah, you might need a bit of downtime, but the last thing you need to, to happen is for you to be pushed into a corner and kind of almost like damaged goods. Yeah. Just keep them. I, mean, is it, I laugh about it now. I, um, I got told that I couldn't, um, I couldn't throw my weapon out the armory yet. The, um, I was, we were on a training exercise and we were using the, the, um, like kind of the small craft with cameras on and they had me in the back of, um, one of these aircraft uh, controlling the camera, but <laughs> there was nothing that stopped me opening the door <laughs> if I really wanted to, you know, but, um, I think seriously, I, I do think it needs addressed because I don't think the right thing is just as a go, well, there you go, go and, um, go and isolate yourself away from everyone because it's just not the right thing. The devil dances in idle minds. Absolutely, absolutely. So, just before we move on from the from the military experience, Steve, is there any pinnacle moments? And I say pinnacle. I suppose, if, in my mind, more stressful situations that you gained access to more insight into yourself through. Um, there's lots within the critical care sphere that that expose my vulnerabilities. But is there any that either made you reflect or that that gave you some lessons learned or, or insight into you? Uh, um, I think that I became Steve Burns. I only identify myself as, as somebody in a uniform. So um, I honestly didn't really learn. You're always growing. You know, every time you push yourself, you're always learning something new. But um, And that's the nature of the SF world. You're always doing something that kind of pushes your boundaries. But, um, but honestly, I find my biggest self-development and learn about who I really was was when I went through all the troubles. When I went through all the troubles and came out the other side, I realised who I was outside of uniform. So yeah, I think that, I think I think it's powerful, um, Steve. Um, so I very much have had a departure from just the the Owen in uniform as well. And actually, even now when I'm on scene, try and be far more of myself and just far more honest and real with people than, yeah. than this perceived what they or and or others might perceive to be um the the, the version of, of of owen so i can definitely identify with that steve absolutely so as, as you're coming through and as, as you leave the military in in 2012 um just walk me through that journey so you come out of this big institution very similar to me you know all i've known really is the ambulance institution and the the ambulance world so you come out in 2012 it's all you've known where where do you go from there where did you go from there um so it's like i was saying i i was left with a bit of a cloud over my head i left 2012 all i'd ever known is military um i left i i just got married before i left um I left, I left around September, found out that I was going to have a son. So, so there's loads of pressure on me to, to, to provide. I went, um, I went straight into private security. Um, but 
I mean, I, I was self-harming as I was pretty much leaving the gates. You know, I asked if I could stay in, and the answer I got was um, pretty much no, and don't come back type thing. Um, so I went into private security. I was still trying to, to keep a roof over our head um, and, and obviously bring money in, but it was just tough. Um, I end up, um, yeah, private security work, which was just tough. It was, it was, it, that was a real, um, I think it's tough anyways, when you leave the military, if you think about it, um, in, in much like yourself, you're institutionalized where you identify yourself as your uniform, your cap badge, your structure and, um, your purpose are all attached to that. You live and breathe your role, don't you? Um, as soon as you walk out of those gates, generally those three things just disappear. And, um, and unless, unless you're conscious of that, when you leave, you that's three areas, three massive voids that you need to fulfill. Just like anything that you do daily is a habit, isn't it? Or often it becomes a habit. So being a bootneck or whatever your cap badge, that's a habit. And then you leave. And if you're not fulfilling it with something just as fulfilling, with as much purpose, then you, you, you're not going to kind of... Um, your brightest light will always be behind you. And that starts, that's when they kind of, the, the, the downslope happens and people end up getting into a rut. And you find that two, three years later, they find themselves in their drinking, they're doing whatever, and they're not really um, fulfilling what they believe their life should have. And then it's, and they start looking backwards. Oh, my time in this, my time in that. Um, and they get resentful. That's where I think uh, it's my two pennies anyways. No, I tell you, I a lot of that strikes relevance to me and I think it would strike a lot of relevance to a lot of people um, and, and just trying to navigate away from an institutionalized perspective of Steve, the, 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 the bootneck or the military operator, um, Owen, the advanced paramedic practitioner, or, and, and just stop, you're quite right, stop affiliating certain titles to your life because when they get stripped away, if there's not something there in the, as a baseline uh, underneath that, then that becomes, but like you said, very much the defining point of, uh, of your life. And then, and then all you, your perspective is that that's behind you and, and, and what's before you. Um, so that's, so I can really relate to that actually, um, Steve. So, so security work was something you, you, you put yourself into quite rightly. So just to provide for your family and to get that stability. So, so, Fast forward slightly and looking at the the concept of really building this community up. What was the synergist? What what was the synergist for change in that in that regard uh, to start to build this community of military and or blue light service personnel? Um. So so when I like I said two thousand and fourteen, all the troubles. Well, I came out the other side, and that's when I really started. It started to. I think what I learned was. The only difference between the good times and the bad times was my mindset. That's the only thing that changed within me. At work, I knew I was good. But when I started to focus on outside of work, I felt I wasn't. And then when I focused all on that, everything kind of subsided. subsided. The, the fact that I, you know, when I, when I got the military cross, that, that wasn't a coincidence that things happened, unraveled after that. It was almost like I was looking for external validation. And once I'd reached that point, I was like, well, what do I do now kind of thing? Um, so fast forward, 2014, started coming out the other side of it. Um, security work was all right, but um, I was working a lot with journalists. Um, 
I was I was starting to think out elsewhere. There was stuff with my son in contact with my son um, in custody. So um so I was looking at doing a world record, and the whole idea of the world record was um, to inspire kids. It was going to be for the NSPCC. I wanted to row from Chile to Australia. Um, and it was, um, and the whole idea was to show children that no matter what your, your environment, your upbringing, you can do whatever you put your mind to do. You've just got, you know, self-belief and all that. Um, and as I was training for it, um, and I hadn't long been, my son had come to live with me full time and that, and I was training for it. Um, two things dawned on me. I was, I was training using Strava. I was like, well, I'm using Strava to set goals, hold myself accountable and then share. Why isn't there something similar for parenting? You know, set get exactly that. Set goals for quality family time. Hold yourself accountable, and then you can share stuff with you with like-minded people. Um, and then also, it dawned on me not long after that that actually I don't have five minutes to bloody do whatever, let alone spend six months at sea. Um, so I made the Wheel app. Um, the Wheel app was great. Um, it's still kind of going now. It's kind of on the on the back burner at the minute. Um, that that took me to about eighteen months ago, two two years ago, maybe now. Eighteen months ago, and um, and a friend of mine took his life. Um, and, and I must say, it was another friend. You know, it was um, it just seems to be a regular thing. Um, went to suicide and um. And the thing that hit me the most about how that he took his life was that what he was going through, I don't necessarily believe from what I know was mental health. I think it was alienation from his child, which was similar to what I was going through and he didn't see a way out. And, um, and also the fact that I didn't know about it. And I just felt like if I had have known about it, I might have been able to talk to him to say, look, I've been there. And not only have I come through, I've come through with, with full custody. Um, so, so that really hit me hard and I thought, well, you've got government and charities that are trying to, trying to do stuff. Um, and then you've got kind of on the right hand side of arc, you've got social media groups. And my experience with social media groups is that like veteran groups are very judgmental and almost like a bit, do I post or not post? And you don't know whether you're going to get shot down or not. So, um, so I thought, well, there must be something that can bring the two together, a tech platform that can provide support and maybe rather than reacting to individual cases, maybe being proactive, um, doing things that I've highlighted in my own journey and other people, especially now with the Upspawn community. Um, aim, aim 18 months upstream. So helping people at source, and then when you have them there, then you're not having to react 18 months later to mental health issues. Um, so, so we set up the Opsfarm group in October, um, and we very quickly got up to close to 10,000 members. And it's a closed Facebook group, so we um, we we were vetting a lot. And if people didn't have the correct, you know, we couldn't say anything, or they, they didn't answer questions, we would just decline because. Opsec's very, very important. You know, we want people to feel safe. Um, so we probably would have been around about a hundred thousand. Um, we've now got around about ten thousand on all on all platforms. We've got a website, uh, the first build of a website. 
Um, but yeah, we wanted to open it up to not only serving members, but veterans, military and blue light, because let's be honest, you know, blue light first responders probably see more trauma than, than we do. You know, we have condensed six month tours, whereas you you guys are doing it day in and day out. Um, and I think, you know, like I mentioned here, not long after we set it up, three paramedics took their life in, in the space of a week, you know, so, so why shouldn't we open it up? Um, we did have the discussion about opening it up to NHS staff, especially with what's going on at the minute. And, it, and it's not for one minute that we're saying they don't reach the bar or the standard, it, but for us as, as a team of moderators and admin, just trying to vet is um, it's hard as it is with the, the nest that, we, the, that, we, that we've thrown already. Um, so yeah, so that's where we are really. That's fantastic. That's fantastic, Steve. So looking at the looking at the platform and this community of people, this ten thousand community, the main functionality of the group um, is it is it is it support and or opportunity? What's what's the main functionality for for people as they want to join? So we um the whole kind of mission statement, I suppose, to when we started with was just to uplift, inspire, and support. So whether that's just positive posting, not the normal doom and gloom. Um, being there as a mutual support if someone needs help um, maybe it's meeting for a coffee maybe it's someone needs help digging their garden out getting people around um, you know maybe someone needs to raise money um, anything that is positive or taking positive action um, one of the things that we really really do try and keep on top of is is people being judgmental you know we want people to come on there and feel safe to, um, to be able to share and I think um, the great the great success about the group is that it's now not just a group of moderators being aware of people. There can be someone putting a post on anything, time, day or night, and they will have a hundred comments of people supporting them. Um, and that's that's amazing you know, to have that mutual support. The functionality, um, I won't say too much because we, we're kind of early stages, but we want to provide support for... Um, people who want to raise funds. So my personal experience when, when I've needed support, um, it's almost like you didn't tick the box or um, you kind of getting scrutinized as to why you want it. Um, and, you, and in the end you just look, I'll just do it. I'll just work it out myself. I'll do, you know. Um, so we want to, so we want to find a way that people, not necessarily in a critical situation, but somebody that might need help, um, so maybe there's a way that we can raise funds for that for that individual. Um, we want to offer people routes into better employment. We've got um, we've got an agreement in place with a great company called uh, Employable, owned by Royal Marine Pete Kelly, a good friend. Um, they're doing great things now about helping anyone, not just veterans, get into more meaningful employment. Um, I think that's great because. I think a lot of people when they leave the military, they leave if they if they've joined straight from school and they've been in the military and that's all they've ever known. When they leave, they they don't really know what ticks their box. Their boxes, you know, they I don't think there's enough in their transition that people like saying, well, why did you join the military? What boxes did it tick? And then let's find a route for that. You know, it's very easy for people to say like, oh, like 
I'm just going to leave and go into security or I'm going to go into oil and gas or I'll become a personal trainer because in the Marines you have to be fit. And then when they get outside, they realize that the whole meaning of being fit or whatever, whatever they do wasn't actually for fitness or, you know, the meanings changed when they left the core and then they find they're not in the job that they want. So employment, um, we've got a good relationship with someone who's going to help um, people who want to go down the self-employment route and have packages for that. Um, we're going to signpost. One thing that I've noticed is that there's a lot of charities out there already doing great work. We want to support them. We want to signpost to them. Whereas I think not all, but there are a minority of charities who almost see it as territorial. Um, this is awesome. The more we do this, well, that's great, but let's, let's focus on the, the community run and on the business side of it. Um, so we want to signpost and, and help people out help charities out um there's probably a couple of other things in there as well steve that's great and so what we'll do is a couple of things really i'm going to um i'm going to signpost opsparta um the, the the website at the bottom um so for anyone listening and or watching this uh there will be an opportunity to to apply um through the through the website uh and gather the details which will go to steve and his team um and 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 then we'll put a little bit of it not only a link but um just really a um, um an avenue really just in into the into the website but steve what have you learned through the process of gathering this community together because it, it, it it's not something that happens overnight and it's not also something that happens probably without some some lessons learned um lessons learned um don't really know to be honest um lessons learned i'd say that um i think i think not all i must stipulate that because um, i don't want to generalize everybody um but it does seem to be a bit of um learned helplessness and i think i think there needs to be a change in that um i think it's great that veterans are highlighted and kind of recognized for their service but i also think that um a minority of veterans need to realize that they need to take ownership of their lives and 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 to get um and to to, to let that light behind them burn out or just be a memory and, and put something in front of them that they drive to you know every year every calendar year or every so often there should be something that you're aimed towards that is your your purpose but if you've if you've been outside 40 years and your best days was 40 years ago then then you kind of it's not very meaningful, is it? So I think, um, yeah, um, a lesson learned would be that big vets, and I, I do have to stipulate that because there's a lot of veterans who are doing amazing things, and you know, but I, I do think we need to kind of take ownership. I think that's a, that's a key fundamental lesson for anyone really who wants to be part of Op Spartan, either blue light and or military, is is around that ownership and that heart. That really points to what you were saying before around navigating away from the victim mentality um and certainly something i've had to learn to to navigate away from and 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 something also you said earlier which is quite interesting around becoming very purposeful about not only goal setting because i think there is something very powerful about goal setting but also around in enforcing community in your like-minded community in your life whether you whether it's a whether you want to or not it's a good it's a good thing and actually yeah. um whether you feel like you're going to benefit or not, 
you don't know until you're on the other side of that, that it actually is a good thing. And it's actually a necessary thing because nobody does well on their own as an island. Um, and, and so just changing, changing the game, not only, not only probably disarms a lot of mental health, um, Steve, but also just just helps with a sense of identity, like you said, going forward, which is which which is great. And that extreme that you know something that I I listen to, you know, and maybe you have done as well with Jocko Willink um, around extreme ownership and uh, and his podcast. Um, I I certainly have come to revelation around ownership and around not only not only owning your successes but your failures, and also owning my own mental health. Uh, on a day-to-day basis and something you pointed towards earlier you know you reset your mind every day is a new day and there's going to be highs and lows but you've you've got to you've got to take that ownership every day and and try and transcend the transcend the highs and lows because just because you felt great yesterday and maybe the day before maybe the day before that it doesn't mean today's going to be a great day but 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 being purposeful about seeking out that like-minded community and goal setting is even if they're just simple goals um because you know my days off and partly why i set this podcast up and another podcast really is around around mental health and and optimizing mental health and how we navigate away from poor mental health and and i've really found having purpose to every day really helps me identify with um not only feeling not only feeling productive but also feeling like I'm a voice of positivity and of good for, for other people as well. So I, I can't emphasize enough some of your answers there, really, Steve, because I think they're really powerful. Thank you. I think, I think I'd add to that. Um, so when I was in the service, I'd literally be on my game. I'd finish work on a Friday and I'd be on leave. Saturday, didn't want to get out of bed. Let, let's go for a coffee. What's the point? We're just doing that to waste time. Let's go look around us. Why? We don't need anything. It's pointless. The difference was purpose. I only saw goal setting purpose at work. You need to have your own purpose outside of that. You need to have purpose. Whether it's, I used to um, say to my clients, set three goals a day. And at the end of your week, you are 21 steps closer to where you're getting to. And it might be, I'm sure we've all seen that that video with the, the Navy SEAL officer about um, making your bed. Um, could be making your bed, getting up before seven, reading five pages of a book. Simple things, but you tick them off and then you build momentum. Um, so definitely having purpose. Um, but I also think if we get too infatuated with goal setting, we lose, we lose, um, we lose the ability to be immersed in the now. And that's what that's what we need. You need to be accepting where you are. You need to be fully where you are. It's good. It's good to be looking forward and not back. But also, just be grateful for where you are, no matter what it is. I'm a nightmare for that, especially as a single parent, because I see all the lads I used to work with doing world records, doing stuff, and I'm just like, ah, I'm, I'm a single parent. I want to be doing that. Um, I need to tell myself regularly that actually this is the biggest challenge for me. This is my challenge. This is my Everest. This is my 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 role um and i think you've got to you've got to um you've got to make peace with where you are and you've got to be grateful for where you are and then be making the goals forward and and just what you're saying there about being happy and not being happy that you know it, it is a journey happiness isn't a destination that's a bit cliche but it's not 
Um, and I think if you have a bad day, that's all right. Is I think there's too much pressure in the world to, for people to be happy. If someone was happy every day, every minute of every day, how annoying would it be? You wouldn't want to be next to them, would you? Like, yeah, just leave me alone. It's all right to not be happy all the time. That's absolutely fine. Doesn't mean that you're struggling. It doesn't mean that you're on your, that you've got to start worrying. Just accept it. I'm a shit day. Feel like being by myself. All right, cool. Tomorrow's a new day. That is acceptable. I think there's too much today where people think they've got to be happy all the time, and that's just not. So just I think that was a lot from um, a lot from um, these wonder coaches. Yeah. yeah. Come with me, and I'll be able to make you happy every day of your life. So one of my biggest revelations, actually, Steve, is that you're not how you feel. Um, you 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 aren't defined by how you feel. Like feelings feelings are, are great, and there may be confirmatory tools for certain actions, but that they don't define the outposts of your life, uh, moment by moment, or day by day. Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got more bad days than good days, you probably need to look at some of the dis- micro decisions you're making. But you are yeah. not how you feel. You know, I, I'm one of the things I, I've had to, and probably you've had to as well, you know, even doing nights last week, you have to transcend feelings because I don't want to be at work at 4am getting rained on, you know, treating a cardiac arrest patient with a family shouting. And I, that's not, I'm not feeling great at that time, but actually irrespective of a feeling you have to, and but just taking it away from that as well, getting out of bed or not wanting to get out of bed. That's not just because I feel that way. doesn't mean that's who I am. And you just said a great thing there around that dichotomy as well, because I can, I'm very performance orientated. So on the SDI scale, the, the strength deployment inventory scale, I'm very red, which is, which is performance, but it robs me of day to day or can rob me of day to day, um, feelings of gratitude and, or, um, contentment in the moment. Um, and I can constantly feeling like I'm not doing enough, not getting enough achieved, not far along enough. But you're right, that dichotomy of, of being grateful for where you are, goal setting, realistic goals that you can strike off in the day and having those two at play, whereby there's purpose, but there's also gratitude is, I think, is a great place to be. And then positioning people strategically in your life that are all also on the same page, because what I want is I, w- I want to be challenged by people and have peers set in front of me that are, that are, that are challenging me to do, you know, the, the, be the best version of who I can be, but also at the same time, be really content in who they are and or be grateful for where, the, where, the, where they are. So they're not, they're not striving, they're, they're, they're happy with, with where they are. So I think it's, it's a mandate for all of us. And it sounds like the community that you've, you've got there and that you're building, Steve, is, is really this like-minded community. And, and these are some of the, would it be right to say some of these are the fundamental sort of bases that you're trying to instill and or proclaim within that community? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, we, want to, we want people to remember the, the stuff that got into where they were in the military. They've still got those, those assets. Um, we want people to understand that, that, that they can still push on and they can't, but it's about... I'm a big believer in just making acceptance where you are and then, and then reframing things and then say, right, so what can, what can I influence now? What can I change? Um, just what you said there about if you're having more bad days than good, I think, um, um, Steve Jobs said something. It was a quote, wasn't it? 
Um, it's true. You need if you have more bad days than good, then you've got to make changes. I think we've got um, our feelings are an internal guidance system. Um, you, and then if there's something happen where you're not feeling great, more than not, then um, then you've got to ask yourself: Is there is there changes that you can make? And if so, then you've got to, to have the um, the courage to ch- to change them. I think there is a lot of people who almost think, well, this is my lot, and I've just got to ride it out. Um, and I think that leads to misery yeah. in some cases. It can do. Yeah, see, to absolutely, and just just something that you practice. On a, on a daily and a weekly basis, which I think is great. And I tr- I certainly do practice as well, which is just exercise actually as well. So a couple of keys that ameliorate some of my internal stresses is getting out on a bike or getting out for a run um, if, if, you know, if, if, if I can, or, or indeed the gym or something where I can really step outside myself and externalize, get a little bit of somatic feedback from my body, but just get, get outside in my brain um, and use exercise to to access just a, a bit a little bit more equilibrium and I know just interacting with you over the past few weeks you know you've said just come back from a run I've just come back from a bike ride or I've just been training with my son and so it sounds like you've installed those prerequisites within your own life as well yeah um the, if I look back the times when I was at my lowest if you like fitness wasn't it wasn't in play um I've learned about meditation, mindfulness, all that kind of stuff. Like, the, as well as kind of getting the blood flowing, the oxygen pump for your lungs, clearing your mind, getting the vitamin D, you know, it, it also, it proves, because unless you're in that kind of flow where fitness becomes a habit, for a lot of people, it's almost, they've got to force themselves out. The, the hardest bit is getting out the door. But that should that in itself be, should be considered the challenge. Because what you're doing there is you're controlling your mind. You're not letting your mind control you. Um, what me and Phil are kind of doing with, with my goji is um, we're teaching people daily habits of how to, it's how to almost put yourself through a little bit of um, adversity to create resilience. Um, and we've, I've been doing it for the last kind of two months now. It's called, I only call a shower. I started off normal shower and then turn it down. Now I just call a shower. And it's got to a point where I forget I'm in the cold shower once I'm in. But at the start of the day, I do that because we all like comfort, don't we? We all like comfort. We all like staying in a little comfort bubble. So I get up first thing in the morning, have a shower. I've ruled my mind. I've not let my mind dictate to me. Little things like that doing daily will help you so much. I think that's a great cognitive switch, actually, just just reminding you actually to step outside your comfort zone. Because it, you know, I find release there. I've, not in cold showers, but just certainly in exercise. Uh, but it, it, but what I what I find interesting about that, Steve, is it's it's the micro habits actually, which which then reset you and realign you, um, and and then almost safeguard. So some of the micro habits I found useful, which you've instituted, is exercise, almost making yourself a slightly uncomfortable in in that process, um, is community. Is, is certainly a bit of time, downtime for yourself. Um, learn accessing, learning what what relaxes you. You know, yoga relaxes me now. I'd never have said that ten years ago, or even yeah. five years ago. Um, but learning what, how you can bring yourself away from what what might have been three or four days of hell at work, you know, and or otherwise, and 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 shifting gears 
in your mind so you can leave work at work because I can be sat at a computer screen just mulling over some of the failures of the past few days, you know, and or weeks and, and or really difficult aspects. And, and it, it doesn't mean no favors because in that space, I'm not relaxed. I'm not detached from work. I'm just reliving experiences again. So that's for me, some of the things we're talking about now are really powerful tools for shifting gears and moving away from that work mindset. Yeah. What, what do you do? Do you have a ritual for when you get straight in from home? Yeah, it's great. This is a great question, actually, Steve. So the cognitive switch I, I do is I get changed from my uniform, I cycle home and I listen to a podcast. Where, um, and so what I do now is and if I'm still thinking about something the day after I talk about it with a close friend um, and or um, deconstruct it with someone with with a few colleagues at, at work. Um, I, I, have had, I had a difficult bit of feedback last week. Um, which I had to speak about for a few days, actually, just to get it, just to get over it myself. And it was probably pure ego. But what it was, was um, just had to deconstruct it to get to move through it. Um, and, and I realized if I didn't talk about it, all I was doing was sit there and stewing. Um, so, and unfortunately, I've been able to reframe that. But but it's, again, it's access into, into yourself and, and understanding that actually, there's some cognitive switches which which are really valid and then beyond cognitive switches there are some some habits around deconstructing things with friends that help you shift perspective um and without those steve i've certainly i would still be living you know i would be shattered because i still i'd be coming back to work having not left work in my mind at all is that something can you relate to that yeah um i never had a I don't think I really had a problem leaving work at work. Um, no, I can't honestly say that I, I left. I had a problem with switching off from work. Um, I when, like when I came back from the tour. My problem was probably that I enjoyed the tour. I wanted to go back out, but I didn't spend my time thinking about it. Um, well, the reason I asked the question is because um, Phil Phil was a great believer he, he, he does a lot of executive coaching and the first thing he does with his, his clients is when they come home for work he gets them to do biodynamic breathing and um, you probably heard of like Wim Hof hmm. Wim Hof yeah. yeah yeah um just doing something to, to, to completely rid your mind of it give yourself that kind of pause that your mind needs to then kind of start again yeah yeah I think that's powerful and that's again that's it helps you access not necessarily a meditative state, but just re-switches your 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 mindset. Um, yeah. And I've certainly helped. Uh, square breathing has certainly helped me, and or um, just calmed me, especially in stressful situations at work. And if I either square breathe or or control my breathing, it definitely optimizes and control and and dampens my physiology, especially when when yeah. um, there's there's stressful situations um, at work and ac- accessing the breath. And being very intentional about that is, um, I think, is is key. Yeah, um, box breathing is amazing for that. Absolutely, just absolutely. So, just coming into land, Steve. Um, uh, mindful, we, I've taken about an hour of your time up. Um, just to your community, or or the commu- or or our community, my community, um, who's listening and and are watching this. What is there any words of encouragement you'd like to say and or insights um, from the Ops Spartan community that that or, or or little bits of pearls of wisdom that that you've that you that, that's been imparted to you um, in the past. 
No, I think we've spoke about most lonely. <laughs> I think we've covered uh, pearls of wisdom and learnings. I think, um, actually, one thing I want to change, the paradigm I want to change is that self-development almost seems like something you do once you've gone a little bit off track. I think the paradigm needs to, needs to change to the point where self-development becomes a way of life. Um, because, you know, it's that, it's that analogy, isn't it, that everything in nature is either growing or dying. So if you're not developing and you're in a rut, you're stagnant, you're effectively dying on it. I mean, I know effectively we're all, we're all getting older and all that, but in terms of your self-development, you need to be doing something on a daily basis that kind of improves you, whether that's fitness, whether it's reading, um, mindfulness, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, something daily, small little changes daily will help you no end. So when you do have a bit of a stressful time, you're in a better place to deal with it. Um, I know we spoke a lot about um, Opspawn and it would be great to see more first responders on there. Obviously my background is military and a lot of my connections, it's grown that way. Um, we really wanted to make it kind of um, equal measures on, on all on all fronts. Maybe once we've moved down the line, we maybe we can open it up further. Um, and we just need to find a way of managing that. And it's and it's down to, it's purely down to security reasons. Um, but also like what we what I mentioned, I touched a couple of times, we've got um my Egoji and my Egoji will be the business that we will be able to offer packages to people from Opspartan to help, um, whether it's video content or we're running a, a wilderness retreat out in Sweden. There's a competition. So if you want to find out how to be part of that, find my Egoji on uh, Facebook and there's a competition on there. Um, but that's a way where we can offer stuff to, to um, you know, the wider NHS community. Um, yeah. I think that's it. It's been a really enjoyable chance here. Oh, absolutely, Steve. Absolutely. And, to, and what we'll do as well in the show notes, we'll put access to the um, to the website, the Opspartan website, so people can find you there as well. But listen, I find it really insightful as well, uh, Stephen. Although your path is very different to mine, it's very similar in some of the in, in some of the processes and mental mindsets. Um, so I can really, really relate to you, absolutely. And um, hopefully, people can can gain insight through through your narrative, actually, because I think it's a powerful one. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, um, that you mentioned there about you know the earlier on about you know people special forces and all this. Like, I I genuinely feel like I cringe when I when I talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but the reason that I do it is because I do believe that I've got um, a story that can help people that can empower people. So um, so that that that's why I do it. So if I can just help one person, then it's all been worth it, isn't it? So. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, Stephen. <laughs>